Uh, Federal Parliament is considering at the moment changes to the Discrimination Act. Uh, in particular, the rights religion has to be able to practice what we believe in. Uh, so right there, there are two rights that we take for granted in Australia. The right to not be discriminated against and the right of freedom of religion. Uh, in Australia, we believe pretty firmly in standing up for our personal rights as well whether it's freedom of religion or not being discriminated against or maybe the right to vote uh, or whether it's our right to take our, all of our sick days or whether it's our right to stop someone parking in our car space or to stop someone pushing in in front of us in a queue. Uh, we want to stand up for our right to be dealt with fairly. It's the Australian way but it's not the Christian way. Uh, Paul's point in this chapter is that there are some basic rights that come with being an apostle but he's never going to demand them. Instead of getting angry, he's willing to give them up because there's something else that motivates him, something else that's more important. His life's been turned on its head since he met Jesus uh, and so standing up for his rights just doesn't seem important anymore. If rights get in the way of preaching the gospel, he'd drop them straight away. Paul's eyes were on a greater prize, a greater reward, a crown from God himself and Paul would give up anything to make sure he'd win that prize. It's an attitude we need to learn from because Christians, just like the rest of uh, Australians, we can be pretty obsessed with maintaining our rights, standing up for getting what we deserve. Uh, instead, I think the solution is to be captivated by Paul's vision of the glory of his reward, the glory of God's approval. Well, Paul's first point is to establish his rights. He's a genuine apostle who's seen the risen Jesus, despite what his critics seem to be saying. Uh, Paul's answer is, I am an apostle, I've seen Jesus, uh, and what's more, I don't need a letter of recommendation, you are my certificate of authenticity. Uh, you've heard my message you became Christians, I'm a genuine apostle. Next up, Paul moves on to uh, what his rights are as an apostle. Verse 4, his rights described. Firstly, the right to be fed. When he turns up and he's, someone hosts him, it's, uh, it's common hospitality to feed someone. Uh, verse four, 5 and 6, he's got the right to take his family along, just like any of the other apostles. Uh, and then he has the right not to have to work for a living. Uh, the other false apostles were claiming these rights and no one seemed to complain about them then. It's just uh, when Paul turns up. Don't Barnabas and I have the same rights, says Paul. And then he gives some uh, examples from everyday life uh, where it's perfectly natural for the worker to receive some sort of payment. So verse 7 Number one, no soldier pays his own way, he gets paid. Number two, the vineyard worker, he'll munch a few grapes when he's hungry as he's reaping. Uh, verse, uh, the th thirdly, uh, the farmer will use some milk from the cow or goats as he's uh, in his cup of tea. It's obvious that he would do that. And even down in verse 13, the temple workers would get to eat the meat that's been served up on the altar. So the world works in a certain way and then he backs it up with two biblical principles. Verse 9, Moses says in the Old Testament, don't muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain. But Paul's point is he's talking about more than cattle, 
The whole principle, verse 10, uh, is it's to do with people. Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Because when the ploughman ploughs or the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. And then verse 11, if that's true for a physical harvest, it's obviously true for a spiritual harvest as well. And so he's finished his argument, his point's been proved, I'm an apostle, this is who I am, here are the rights that I deserve, uh, just like any of the other apostles. Then he gets to the second part of his argument, second part of verse 12, but, another of the great buts in the Bible, I surrender them all. This is what I'm willing to give up. Nothing, no right I have is worth holding on to if it gets in the way of the Gospel. So verse 12b, he says, But we do not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the Gospel. Uh, Same thing again in verse 15. I haven't used any of these rights. I'm not going to start now. And he says, I'd rather die than give in at that point. He's totally committed to not claiming his rights, to preaching the gospel for free. That's his boast, that's his claim to fame. It's what separates him from the other false teachers. Can't have been easy to do it that way. Acts chapter 18 tells us he worked as a tent maker for a year and a half in Corinth. Dirty, tiring, smelly work. Uh, We're told he worked all day so that he could afford to tell people the gospel at night. Would have been far easier just to accept uh, their money. It's a pretty strong language, isn't it? I'd rather die than have anyone deprive me of this boast. Why is he so committed to this idea of not taking a few dollars from people? Well, let me suggest three reasons. Firstly, the nature of Paul's opposition. He preaches the gospel for free to separate himself from the false teachers who are doing it for money. Uh, Boasting is pretty strong language. Sounds, I guess, conceited in our ears, but the thing to remember is he's he's responding to what these false teachers are saying and they're they're big on boasting as well and talking themselves up. Uh, The second reason he... uh, Uh, is he presents the gospel for free is because of the nature of the gospel itself. Uh, The whole message about uh, the cross is that it's God's free gift through Jesus. It would just be completely wrong-headed to offer that free gift to someone and then expect them to pay for it. It just doesn't work. Uh, Instead, Paul uh, either worked for himself or when he did accept help, it was from churches who had already been planted by him. So 2 Corinthians 10, he describes how he accepted financial support from existing churches and they partnered with him. It makes sense that churches that are being established receive the gospel message for free and it makes sense that churches who've received the gift in the past can pass that forward, can pay it forward. That's the way things are working with our new Petersham church. At the moment we're supporting them, but as they grow, their their plan is that they'll be able to pay that forward and and, uh, help other new churches that are trying to get off uh, off the ground. That's one of the functions of a a denomination is that uh, there's structures in place that can help small churches that they're not doing it on their own. So the second reason Paul prides himself on 
preaching the gospel for free is because the nature of the gospel is that it's about a free gift. The third reason he does it is because of the call that he's received from Jesus himself. He's got really no choice as he sees it. He's simply discharging the command he's been given like a servant and a master. You don't expect a reward when you're a servant. It's a command, not a suggestion. Uh, Perhaps like you might say to our kids, you will clean your room, not will you clean your room. This is a statement, not a question. That's the way Paul sees it. He doesn't have a choice. Uh, Verse 16 to 18, he says, Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I'm compelled to preach. Woe to me if I don't preach. Uh, There's no choice, as Paul sees it. Nothing to be proud about when you've been commanded by Jesus himself. It's not his choice to preach. He's just doing what was committed to him by God. And so it doesn't make any sense to claim payment. That's the only reward, is the freedom that comes from not claiming the wage. Uh, You see there in verse 18, he says, What then is my reward? If it's not financial, just this, that in preaching the gospel I may offer it free of charge and so not make use of my rights in preaching it. Uh, Now, you'll hear lots of ministers maybe preach on the first part of this chapter about how uh, a worker deserves his his wages, Uh, but this is an important part to be thinking about as well. If, If we really have been called to the ministry and being commanded by Jesus, then we should see it in that perspective that we're simply doing our duty. Uh, We shouldn't be looking to claim any privilege or appreciation or attention. Uh, We shouldn't be looking for rewards or recognition. We should just get on with it because we've been commanded. Not be concerned with who notices or whether our rights are being upheld or whether we're receiving all our benefits. Uh, just keep discharging the trust Jesus has given us and let God worry about the rest. And what Paul found as he did that, as he did it for free and didn't look to anyone else for anything, he found a real freedom in that. Not being in anyone's debt meant that there were no strings attached to what he said or did. He didn't have to measure up to what other people told him. He wasn't answerable to a paymaster. He could preach without fear or favour. And so what he did by not being bound to anybody, he could use that freedom to better spread the gospel to all sorts of people. Uh, He did it by becoming a slave to everybody, verse 19, Uh, because he's God's slave and that means he becomes a slave to people to win them to Jesus. And so what does it mean to be a slave to people? It means he, he gives up his personal preference in every area. Uh, not just receiving money, he gives up every other right. He becomes like others to make the gospel more acceptable. To the Jew, he became like a Jew, uh, to win the Jews, verse 20. Uh, Verse 21, he says, To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am free from God's law. Verse 22, he says, To the weak, I became weak, to win the weak. And then he sums it all up, I've become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. He gives up all his own preferences for the sake of others and for the sake of Jesus. 
maybe it means joining a sporting team. Uh, Danny plays soccer so he can meet other uh, non-Christian guys. Uh, Phil Tufton has joined Toastmasters uh, so he can get to know non-Christians and he gets to deliver talks on things that really matter to him, which is interesting. Uh, For you it might mean signing up to an adult education course or cooking course or joining a knitting club or joining a gym with your workmate during lunch or coaching your daughter's netball team or volunteering uh, for a volunteer organisation. Whatever it might be, that's the sort of thing Paul's talking about, giving up your rights, becoming all things to all people so that the gospel might be furthered. But notice as Paul describes it, it's not about changing who you are in your core. Uh, There's still to be a personal integrity. Uh, Paul talks about, uh, uh, in case you think I'm submitting to the law again, I'm not becoming a Jew, I'm not under the law anymore, I'm just going along with the externals. I live like those who are under the law. And then on the other side, just in case you think I'm completely immoral, uh, I only said I become like someone under the law. I'm not actually free from God's law, I'm still under Christ's law. And so he's, he's clarifying the point, he says, I'm free on the, I'm free on the negotiables, on the things that don't really matter, but I'm not changing who I am in terms of my character and my morality. I'm not budging an inch there. And one temptation I think uh, that we can make, that we can fall into is uh, we do it for the wrong motives. We become like everybody else but we do it for the wrong motives. Paul's motivation is he does it for the sake of the gospel, to win people. And yet, I don't know if you're anything like me, my temptation when I fit in with people is to so that people will think I'm a a good guy. Oh, isn't Dave good? He gives up his time to do this this, or he helps me do that. Uh, But Paul's point is it's got to be for the gospel. We need to check our motives. Uh, How is the truth of the gospel impacting those relationships you're building with people as you do all these different things? Uh, How are you making the most of those chances? It would be a pretty easy life, really, uh, if we were just yes men, if we just flipped whichever way the wind blew, uh, followed the path of least resistance and never disappointed anyone, but that's not what Paul's talking about. Uh, his lifestyle is much more difficult than that. You, you see that something of that in the last paragraph about how difficult his life actually is. Uh, keeping the gospel as a number one priority is actually hard. It's easy to say, but it's much harder to do especially when it comes to the cold, hard facts of how you use those hours that you have in your day and the choices you make, the conversations you have, the way you spend your money. The decisions we make are sort of like that of the professional athlete. The total focus. His eyes are always on the prize and so each decision about diet and sleep, training and social life and work commitments are all designed around that final goal of how how to win that contest. And Paul's point is that athletes do it for a crown that doesn't last. How much more should Christians be influenced by the eternal prize in the decisions that they make? 
Verse 25, he says, They do it to get a crown that will not last. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. And so a Christian's training should be just as single-minded, just as self-controlled as the athlete. Paul says, therefore, verse 26, Therefore I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not, not, not be disqualified for the prize. Uh, he trains, he punishes his body, he works on his weaknesses, he puts to death his old sinful self, he does without physical comforts, uh, he endures prison and beatings. It takes some self-control to be a Christian who's coming to grips with some of uh, his failings. His eyes are on the prize, his eyes are on the well done, good and faithful servant that he's got coming from Jesus. So that's what Paul did. He proclaimed the gospel. Uh, He gave up his rights. Uh, He gave up anything uh, that would stand in the way of the message he had. And that action in itself of giving things up is actually proclaiming the gospel as well, by action as well as his words. Because, of course, the gospel is all about God's free offer of forgiveness, where Jesus gave up all of his rights where he put aside the glories of heaven and humbled himself for the sake of the weak. He became weak. Uh, Listen to what Paul wrote to another church, uh, to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 2 and these are good words for us to dwell on. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And then we read, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That's the Lord that we give up everything to proclaim that uh, we become all things to all men so that people might recognise Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us to see Jesus. Uh, We pray that you would help us to reflect Jesus uh, in the choices that we have, the opportunities we have to lay aside our rights, uh, the things that we've earned, the things that we deserve, and that we might become all things to all men, that we might uh, put aside those preferences uh, and be willing to give them up for the sake of our friends and our neighbours who need to know you. And as we put those things aside, Lord, we pray that you would help us to do it all for the sake of Jesus, that people might respect and honour and recognise him. Amen.